forget. Take your seats! Please! Please, God! gonna happen if you got nominated, but you don't have to pretend anymore. You're a real actor now. Mom, can you give me some money, please? Mom, can you give me some money, please? I defy you, stars! Where were we? Line? Can we just go back, please? Can we just cut? Can we just cut? I've had just about enough of this nonsense. Good afternoon. That was the best acting I've ever seen in my whole life. Thank you. Welcome back to another episode of Losing It Over Leo. We're on to our 17th episode now, and Leo has gotten his Oscar. So we thought that um, it would be... It'd be, you know, we kind of want to end with where Leo gets his Oscar. That's been the journey, the overarching narrative of this whole series. But at the end of the day, like, he's still in movies. So we figured we'd do a little bit of an epilogue episode talking about the one movie that he's been in since he got his Oscar. Uh, and he hasn't been in, he, this is so far still the only movie that he's uh, been in since he got his Oscar with The Revenant. Um, he took a big break from things. Uh, yeah, I mean, who can blame him, man? Like, <laughs> I mean, he basically got what he wanted. He's rich. He's 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 been named the best actor of the year, I guess. So like, he's probably been. Well. I mean, I mean, like, I don't know how many times he's been Time's hottest man alive, or who, whichever one does that. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> probably several. Yeah, and I guess, like, as we talked about too in our Revenant episode kind of everyone took a break after The Revenant. Like, I don't think Inuritu was the guy who directed that one, right? He hasn't directed a movie since. He will, again, but, like, that movie took a yeah. lot out of everyone. I think he has one coming up, but uh, I think he did a VR movie once, which is kind of interesting. But, you know, yeah. VR is not really accessible, so, like, even if it was really good, it'd be impossible for people to enjoy it on a large, on a large scale. So... It is an interest. Tom Hardy also is kind of in a weird spot because I don't think he hasn't really done any like critically acclaimed roles since The Revenant, you know, as far as I remember. No, I think he's done a couple of attempts. Like there's definitely some movies that came out. He did a movie called Capone last year uh, where mm. he played Al Capone. He played yeah. he's been in a few mov other movies since. And like all of them have been movies where it kind of seems like he's He's in a very serious role, and it kind of seems like it should be an awards role, but they haven't been well-received movies either. Yeah, like, I don't think uh, people liked Capone very much. Yeah, that's uh, that was actually directed by Josh Trank. Um, that was his uh, redemption movie after Fan 4 Stick, and it's unfortunately not as redeeming as he might have wished for. So, But yeah, it definitely yeah. felt like it could have been an Oscar attempt, if that makes sense. No yeah. Pick, so, speaking of uh, speaking of long breaks, uh, people listening to this won't uh, will have heard our last episode pretty much exactly a month ago if I did my job right. But it has been a while since we since we talked about the Revenant. Yeah, it's been like two months. I want to say something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was nice to see Leo in a 
in a role again. It's been a while. Um, yeah. Especially, well, I, I don't know what you think. I don't like. I wouldn't say this is one of his greatest, uh, technically, but it's definitely one of his most interesting roles. So. Yeah, I, I have a lot to say about this movie, actually. Yeah. And um, I think the first thing that we should mention, well, this is the second thing we should mention, but I'm going to mention them out of order. Leo was nominated for an Academy Award again for his role in this movie. Now, as I was saying, the first thing we should mention is the fact that the movie we're talking about is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood by Quentin Tarantino. But I decided to do those out of order. Yeah. Then <laughs> um, this is also quite like quite a big... Uh, I guess movie for Tarantino in terms of like this is his ninth film and he says he he intended to make 10 films and so yeah. like he's getting kind of towards the end of his his role here and I feel like um you know the, as his penultimate I guess movie uh mm. you know this is this is this one this is one that's I mean all of them are really important but this it's we're getting really at the really really important stage that everything's good and uh I guess like the what I have to say is that it's it's to me it feels very very personal to him as well as what mm -hmm. I noticed. Um, yeah, I would definitely agree. Just due to the, I think he grew up in the time around the time, or he was in his twenties, right around the time this movie uh, is based in, right? <laughs> he definitely was not in his twenties in the sixties. Isn't he? He's like six. He's like sixty three now, isn't he? He was born. Oh wait, that would that would make just, him in the born in the yeah, 60s yeah, he was born just before this movie takes place so he would have oh. been like six maybe okay i take it back so maybe this is more his what he wishes uh maybe he he wishes he grew up in this period in terms of like uh because it just feels so nostalgic right and yeah he clearly um, has a enormous fondness for hollywood of the 60s yeah, and it was a really innocent time, I guess, in America, specifically maybe California in general. So it's a uh, that was interesting to see, and then like you know him picking Leo as I guess the starring role is cool, just cool in that it's a uh, you know these are two a legendary director and a legendary actor uh, bringing it together on, and they, it, it it had both for both of them it had been four years since their last movie as well. So yeah, and. Breaks. Actually, like, I mean, we've talked about Quentin Tarantino on this podcast before because we talked about Django Unchained. But, like, mm. this is, even though him and Leonardo DiCaprio have worked together, this is obviously their biggest collaboration, but pretty close to being their first. Because, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio was in... Django Unchained, and he was in a very important role, but he wasn't in very much of it, where in this movie, he is the star of the show. Yeah, especially, like, oh, this is going to sound kind of weird, but I feel like in Django, it's almost like Leo really made the character his, if that makes sense, like, mm -hmm. completely and utterly, whereas, like, this felt more like, uh, like a collaboration between uh, Tarantino and Leo, you know? So yeah, I, I don't know how to say it, like, and how to describe it specifically, but that it just it just felt a lot more like a combined vision. Well, I would say that like Quentin Tarantino has a story he wants to tell here, and he specifically chose Leo to do it. Like, this is, I mean, there's definitely probably every role that we've talked about. No one would be better for the role, in my opinion, than Leo in the, you know the movies we're talking about. We've talked about. 
but like very few of them have been no one could play this role other than Leo. And like this one, I really think that's the case. I don't think yeah. there's any actor that I think this role was written for Leo. And if it wasn't, then like, well, then, like you said, it's it's a very, very close collaboration between the two. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I guess that'll help if we talk about what the movie's about. Um, yeah, let's let's briefly talk about it. Do you, uh, you want to tell us what's up? Yeah, so uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is kind of a weird movie in that there is a plot, but it's like very loose. It's mostly just things happen in Hollywood and we get to witness them. The main plot of this movie is uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is a guy named, what is his name? Rick Dalton, I think is his name. Yeah, yeah Rick Dalton. And he's a, he's a Western actor from the 50s. I think he was, he was in a popular show called Bounty Law, uh, which is just a Western show where he plays the good cowboy fighting bad cowboys, I guess. You know, regular, regular 50s, TV show stuff. And anyway, we're now at the end of the 60s and he's starts uh, like he's starting he's still getting roles but he's getting like bad guy roles and it's he's finding it harder to get like starring roles in movies. His his heyday is behind him. And like he's just coming to terms with the fact that he might be a washed up actor. So this movie is like him sort of actively fighting against the, the main plot of this movie, the Rick Dalton part, uh, is basically revolves around him taking one of these roles and like trying to convince himself that he's not washed up and that this role is like actually going to, and that roles are going to keep coming in for him afterwards. And specifically, uh, he, he has been told, he's been asked to act in Italian movies and he really doesn't want to do that because that's where actors go to die, in his opinion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's, I mean, this isn't like a, a like, I feel like this, this type of plotline has been done many times before, but I don't know why, but it just feels so personal, I guess, because, um, I guess Tarantino isn't really tying this into like a bigger plot, right? Like, mm -hmm. uh, as I was like kind of expecting um, when watching this movie the first time, but like, it it really is just like kind of a slow, close up and personal look at at an actor who is struggling with, you know, deciding or uh, where he wants to take his life next, you know, and uh, and especially like. Um, I guess as an actor, it's really hard in Hollywood because, and that's why, uh, like, because I feel like actors just have so little control over whether they can get jobs or not, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, it, it just kind of sucks because, like, this is this is such a Hollywood tale. Like, we've seen it, um, I don't know if you've seen Sunset Boulevard, but... I have not. It's a it's a famous noir movie from the 1950, I think, and it also follows a uh, a washed out silent silent movie Hollywood star that uh, you know the world kind of passed over. And um, I don't know. I, I think it's even though they're actors, I think it's relatable just in terms of like uh, you know it, it hurts it hurts when you get the spotlight and then uh, despite everything you try, it's just kind of like taken away from you, you know. And there's not really 
anything they can do about it. So mm -hmm. surprisingly relatable, but yeah. Yeah. And well, I guess in this case, like, you know, he's fighting against fate, but he, he ultimately ends up having no control at all. I mean, as you've kind of already insinuated, because like early on, uh, his agent comes to him and says, I want you to be a cowboy in Italian movies. And by the end of the movie, he's he's gone over to Italy and made some made some cowboy movies. And then he comes back and the show's over. And so, like, he has literally no control over anything as much as he yeah. tries to. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. As you said, very relatable, I guess. Yeah, especially with the uh, the Sharon Tate kind of, I guess, polar polar. How do you say it? Where they're, they're showing Sharon Tate, who in this movie is like an up and coming actress, basically, uh, and like one of like one of the newest, I guess one of the the one of the actresses with like the most potential, I guess, coming up in Hollywood at the time, um, played by Margot Robbie, and and they're next door neighbors, right? So then you also get to see kind of what it's like, like what Rick Dalton might have felt like when he was first entering Hollywood and getting all these roles. And uh, kind of, I don't know, it's, it's almost foreboding that like, this is kind of the cycle everyone goes through where you're, you're young and you're, you're on the uptick. And then, uh, and then Hollywood just kind of spits you out of the other side when you uh, either aren't good enough or you get too old or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. I think actually, so, yeah. I think actually putting Sharon Tate in this movie is really interesting because Sharon Tate's storyline is mostly historical in this movie, although she doesn't really do much. She goes to watch a Sharon Tate movie and then uh, the events of the Charlie Manson murders happen, except that I guess this is a spoiler. She doesn't die. And so yeah. I think, I think putting her in this movie is in the same movie as Rick Dalton is kind of interesting because Rick Dalton is sort of fighting against a fate that he can't control and Sharon Tate should be fighting against a fate that she can't control because her storyline is literally his is literally historical, right? Mm -hmm. But at the end, she manages to defy the historical fate. And Rick Dalton, well, his his fate is never historical, but it's it's been set in stone from the beginning. So like he sort of man he sort of like lives through, you know, what has to happen to him. And I guess this will probably uh, like Sharon Tate will eventually go through the cycle that every actor goes through, but like she gets the opportunity to. And ultimately it's like, she kind of defies her fate while Rick Dalton sort of falls into it mm -hmm. in a way, because like, it's not even like this movie. I don't think this movie is even setting out to make that concrete a point because it's mostly just people having fun. Yeah. It's a very, that's what, I'm not going to lie, when I first saw this movie, I didn't like it uh, because I was expecting, usually Tarantino's scripts are very, you know, intense. Uh, I was going to say plot oriented, but then I thought of Kill Bill and I was like, eh. Um, but like they're, they're pretty, they're pretty, uh, I guess, action packed slash like lots of drama, action. Uh, and like, it's, they feel like very big movies, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, Whereas this movie was very small, very personal. It almost kind of avoided conflict, or it definitely mm -hmm. avoided conflict in a lot of ways. Um, and that's why I, like, I, I think I appreciate it more this time, because when I was going into it, I didn't, 
uh, realized, or I, I already knew like what kind of what I was buying, buying into. Right. Um, uh-huh. but like, I, I really do appreciate it now as kind of like this love letter to the golden age of Hollywood. Um, Sharon Tate's storyline, even though it doesn't really go anywhere, I think the contrast with Rick Dalton is is really like kind of intriguing. Um, and then also just like watching her watching her watch herself on on the big screen, right? And just kind of experiencing that with her was like actually really like it was really pleasant. Um, mm. Even though again, it, it's very not related to the plot. But then again, there isn't really a plot in this movie, so. It was just, you know, it, it's cool to see her being so excited about mm-hmm. about this. And uh, I don't know, have we talked about Brad Pitt yet? Uh, we haven't yet. Yeah. Actually, wait, uh, should we talk about Leo first? Or like get through that? Well, you know what? We've basically talked about every aspect of the movie so far. Let's Let's talk briefly about Brad Pitt. And then like, I think we'll just devote the rest of the episode to Leo after that. Oh, sure. Um, so, oh, sorry. Oh no, go ahead. Um, I was just gonna say I, I, we talked about this earlier, but like watching this movie again, I almost want to say Brad Pitt was like the star of the movie slash like maybe should have been nominated for best actor rather than best supporting, just because I'm pretty sure he has more screen time, and also Mike. he, um, I guess this is just like because of the themes of the movie, but Brad Pitt's character is really the only character that actually has any effect on the plot. Um, mm-hmm. For Leo and Margot Robbie, their characters just kind of let stuff happen to them, right? And they kind of, they're reactionary characters. Whereas Brad Pitt is always the one making stuff happening and he's a very active uh, protagonist. Um, mm-hmm. Which is why I was kind of, I was really surprised because I didn't realize that the first time I watched it, just how much uh brad pitt was in this movie compared to leo actually like anyway so yeah yeah and his plot so like this movie basically has three different plot lines going on there's leo there's uh there's rick dalton there's i'm just gonna use their actor names there's there's leo there's brad pitt and then there's margot robbie sharon tate i guess who uh um and like they're pretty disconnected in general. And I would say that like the one that feels the most like a traditional plot is Brad Pitt's because he's, you know, he starts at point A and he keeps moving to places, which I mean, that's a pretty low bar to call it a plot, but like everything happens on pretty much one day just because of the sheer number of different sets involved with Brad Pitt's storyline it kind of feels like he's got the most going on, even though I don't think he necessarily does. Yeah, well, I, I, I think, like, the biggest thing is his character is such a mystery. Like, mm-hmm. they set up a lot of stuff with him, but, like, like basically everyone assumes his wife died. Well, um, not assumes. His wife is dead. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> everyone <laughs> assumes he killed his wife. Um, I wouldn't necessarily... They show us a flashback scene to maybe I guess a few minutes or seconds before his wife died, but it seems like he probably killed her, but, but there's just like, so, cause he's not, it's just kind of weird. Cause he, his character feels so lifeless yet also so act like full of life, if that makes sense. Right. It's kind of so like, like his character feels like he has a lot of backstory, but like 
overall, he's not, he's just kind of effortlessly played by Brad Pitt. And we don't get any of that backstory. It's just, it's there and you never get to find out about it so that you always want to. Yeah. Well, I'm just like totally, <laughs> I'm totally fine with it. I, I love how little I know about him because like just everything he does is so interesting and like kind of funny. Um, but also like the way he acts in the movie, it feels like, like, cause like, I, I think like the, the plot basically it's looking at all three characters and kind of like, okay, this is the life of, in the day and a day of each of these characters, right? Rick Dalton yeah. has to deal with, uh, uh, basically like trauma or trauma from aging out of Hollywood. Uh, Sharon Tate is, is just kind of joyfully going to parties and, and enjoying herself in, in new movies. And then uh, Cliff is like, like he's, he's, he's driving Rick Dalton around, but he's like, I don't know, he has that weird flashback scene where he just flashbacks for like five minutes. Um, and then he, he's driving like, he's driving uh, hippie girls around and he's like, almost he's beating people up and stuff. And it never, none of it feels like it's like, because this isn't part of a plot, really. None of it feels like it's trying to be anything, right? But it feels so fun and natural that, mm -hmm. like, I don't know. And honestly, Brad Pitt, I, uh, I had no idea he's this good of an actor. And, like, um, I guess, like, especially, like, watching the second time, I didn't realize how important he is to this, like, movie feeling so full of life if that makes sense. Um, because, yeah, there's so much intricacy to his character. That, and, like, even though it doesn't really lead anywhere, it's just he's such a fun character to watch. I could literally, I could watch him every day. It's like, what are you mm -hmm. doing? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, like, just to touch on something you said very early there, I'm glad he wasn't nominated for Best, act, for best Lead Actor because... I'm glad that he won Best Supporting Actor. He mm. did an incredible job. Like, it. I was wondering, has Brad Pitt been acting for as long as Leo or, like, longer? Because my instinct says that he's probably been acting for longer, but, like, Leo's been acting for almost 30 years now. Yeah, like 20, 26, I guess now. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like, I think I want to say they kind of came up around the same time too. I don't remember what Brad Pitt's first movie was, but like, Oh, Brad like, Pitt just, is older. He is older. Not by much, but he is a little bit. Yeah. But like, didn't, uh, what, what was he in right before friends? Cause I know once him and like, uh, okay. His breakthrough. Sorry. I'm like looking at his, his, this is Wikipedia right now. It says his breakthrough movie was, uh, oh, he was in Seven. Okay, that he definitely has been bigger than Leo for a while. In terms yeah. Of, uh, yeah, that's crazy. I, I didn't know Seven was that old. Honestly, I thought it was like a mid two thousands movie. Oh, definitely would have put too, it a couple of week, a couple of years later. Yeah. Yeah, I was just uh, I was just thinking because as I was watching this movie, I. Uh, I was thinking, you know, Leo is playing the part of an actor who's like going through a midlife crisis because he's past his prime. And here, Brad Pitt is 
So he's not playing this role in the movie, but he's playing the role that the role that he's playing in the movie, the way that he's playing it is like he has already had that midlife crisis, gone through it, and is back to just acting because it's fun. Oh, yeah. So you're saying like kind of in the context of their careers? Yeah. So in the context of I, I, I watch, I'm going to say a lot about this when we get to talking about Leo. But basically, when I was watching this movie, it's sort of I was sort of thinking of all of these actors in the context of where they are in their careers. Right. And like, I think that that is very important to why they were picked to be in this movie and how they play these roles. So Leo is he's playing his he's playing Rick Dalton. Uh, we'll talk about that. But like the fact of where he is in his career really plays into how he plays Rick Dalton. And while mm-hmm. it's not as overt for Brad Pitt, the way that he plays his character, Cliff Booth, is like he's having fun with the character in a way that like makes it feel like he's already gone through as an as an actual actor, as a real life person, like he's gone through that midlife crisis that Rick Dalton is having and he's just having fun with things now. Yeah, I can totally see that because I mean like, like looking through Brad Pitt's filmography, you can you can really tell that he's he's actually way more chill with his like I I almost want to say like looking through it him and him and Leo are aren't I wouldn't say they're like the the same level in terms of like prestige for acting, but I think Brad Pitt actually has the talent for it. He just cares less, uh, because like he he takes he's totally fine taking these these roles that put him out of the spotlight, right? Whereas Leo, when you see Leo in a movie, he's he's 100% either like stealing the scene or he's the main character, right? Yeah, if like, he's either, not either the way. main character, they chose him because he's Leo, not because he's, not because they needed someone who could play the part. And like, yeah, he's yeah, a great exactly. actor, but they got him because he's Leo. Yeah, whereas like looking at Brad Pitt, at, at least recently, right? Like, um, like, <laughs> like he had a cameo in Deadpool 2, um he did well he did the big short sorry deadpool 2 is a bad example for this because his cameo in deadpool 2 is like it's one second long and it's specifically and they specifically chose him because they thought it would be funny to see brad pitt die in in deadpool (laughs) yeah yeah no i just made it more in terms like like leo would never do something like that Um, right because of like i think he 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 typically wants to portray like an image of himself that uh like on and off screen in terms of like he is a prestige actor if that makes sense um whereas like 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 he won't like he rarely does interviews he doesn't go on like saturday night live or whatever um which you'll see with a lot of like bigger actors but i mean like yeah brad pitt like uh so yeah deadpool 2 big short where he he is a he plays it really well but it's an extremely subdued role like he he is not like he is a very like not in the spotlight character, um, and he's totally fine with that, right? So, I don't know. I, I definitely see your comparison here, where it's like Brad Pitt seems like he's just <laughs> trying to have a good time, whereas I think Leo definitely really still cares about the roles he takes, and he wants to make sure that, especially now, like now above all, that each role he takes is extremely meaningful to him, and he's going to get a lot of acclaim for it. Yeah, and actually, like, I guess one last thing on Brad Pitt, because this is a really good spot to go over to Leo, but 
one last thing on Brad Pitt. It's it's interesting here that he plays the stunt man because like the stunt man fits everything you just said really well. He's in he's like you he's he's totally cool with being in the background all the time. That's literally what a stunt man does. Yeah. So like Leo is Leo is always the star. Brad Pitt can be if he needs to be, but like is more like even if you look at Brad Pitt's I'm just looking at Brad Pitt's filmography now and it includes the list I'm looking at includes where he's an actor and where he's a producer. Brad mm. Pitt has been a producer almost like has been primarily a, a producer for since like 2006. Like yeah. and when I say primarily, he has at least as many if not more production credits than acting credits since then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like he's totally cool with just being you know the guy, the guy on the side, not the star. Yeah, dude. You know what? Sorry, I need to mention. I love Brad Pitt, and uh, I think it's that 2008 Coen Brothers movie. Ah, uh, oh, what's it called? Burn Burn after after reading. reading. Have you seen that? Yes, I have. I yeah, loved he, him. In that. He is amazing in that, and that's that. I mean, that's another example. Like, I could never see Leo taking a role like that. Hundred mm-hmm. um, percent. I don't it was think Leo could like, play that role. Yeah, that too. It's like such a, it's such an oddly comedic role, um, but it's like played by Brad Pitt, who was like Crawley's sexiest man of the year at the time. Like, yeah, it's it's crazy, and I think that's so fun. That's so awesome that he's like he's totally chill with doing a role like that, um, and having like he had a lot of fun with that. So yeah, hmm. but, um, yeah. Moving on to Leo, I mean, like I think it, it is interesting that Tarantino brought him brought him on specifically for this story at specifically this point in his career where it it seems the most relevant, even though like technically not because Leo is probably the still like the most sought after actor in Hollywood. Yeah. I do think that Leonardo DiCaprio is still like, I think he may be right now at the peak of his career. So Mm -hmm. like he's playing someone who's well past the peak, who's like looking back on former glories. But like, I think that, I would imagine, like, if I had to psychoanalyze Leonardo DiCaprio, I would imagine that, like, that is a thought that he has quite often. And, like, you know, he's not there yet, but I'm sure he thinks about, like, I could be there someday. And so this role is, like, this role is him, I mean, at least partially probably getting that out. Yeah. Well, I wonder if he looks at, because I think he's shared, he's actually shared this the scene with some some actors who were definitely, like, as acclaimed with it as him, but then like really seemed to kind of let go of their careers as they got older. Right. Um, and I don't see him doing the same, but he could. Cause I mean, like looking at like De Niro, uh, Al Pacino, um, uh, who else is there? I, well, I, I gotta like say third one, big one I'm missing, but I want to say, um, I don't know if this guy really fits exactly what you're saying, but Toby Maguire, him and Tobey Maguire were both like around the same time. Leo was getting was getting like way more momentum, but Tobey Maguire was an up and comer at the same time. And like Tobey Maguire has never become as big as Leonardo DiCaprio, and it always kind of feels, at least early on, it felt like he could have, and he never ended up actually doing that. I guess it's kind of a different, kind of a different thing, but like it's um, just what I thought of. Well, I, I just say in terms of like. I don't think Toby ever really stood a chance in terms of his acting skills, but 
if you look at his career with like spider-man um and stuff like like he basically like he was making a ton of money off spider-man one of the biggest franchises like to ever happen like i think it was like what the biggest opening spider-man one was like the biggest opening weekend of all time or something right i Um, mean probably isn't anymore but i can definitely see that yeah but at the time so like he was definitely on top of the world for like five five or so years it's like up until spider-man 3 um Hmm. and he was making a ton of money and now like you don't see him in anything right yeah Yeah. you're right like they were really good friends so uh, it's it's interesting, but then also they're kind of indifferent because I think Toby ended up having a family around the end of Spider-Man, like his, the Spider-Man franchise, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's not just that, but his career goals just kind of shifted. Whereas I, it's just like we, Leo's in a weird spot because I actually think he he's not going to go the way, or he really does not want to go the way of like De Niro or Pacino, where he he uh, he he kind of eases up on like his standards for what he the roles he takes right right um and maybe like daniel day lewis for example like i could see him kind of how old is day lewis right now uh daniel day lewis good question he's like, probably he's probably like something yeah probably something like that let me let me double check this but also daniel day lewis has been incredibly selective and protective of his career as well yeah so I, I really do see Leo going that way. Um, oh, but also, okay. But then I think also I see what you're he, saying. But then also, like, I don't know if that's necessarily, like, does, does he really want to do, like, one? Like, I'm looking at, looking at uh, um, what's his name? Daniel Day-Lewis's filmography. He does a movie, like, on an average, like, every five or four years. Daniel Day-Lewis uh, is is his uh, infamously selective with his movies. Like like you said, for every four to five years. And usually after he does a movie, he'll announce his retirement from acting forever. And then he'll, <laughs> yeah. he'll come back like five minutes later or five years later. But like, he's very selective. And so I don't ever see Leo getting that selective because you look at his filmography, he's been actively working in Hollywood for almost 30 years. And I think he's going to continue actively working in Hollywood for maybe another 30, yeah. but like, well, so I don't see him ever getting that selective, but I see what you're saying. Like, I also see him going, I see him erring towards the side of being more selective rather than erring towards, you know, the Robert De Niro side of starring in bad grandpa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh God. I forgot. Oh, about dirty that. grandpa. Sorry. So why'd you do that? Um, yeah, I don't, I, I think like, I like, especially as you get older, right? Cause like, I mean, before, Leo's had bad movies before, right? But this is all mm-hmm. kind of uh, before his career took off. Um, but it, like looking at his career, like in the past decade, uh, it looks to me, it really looks like like before the Oscar, basically every movie after Inception was made for him to win the Oscar, right? Pretty um, much, yeah. And then, but then after after the Revenant, uh, which to be fair, like it might have just been because it was like a, a crazy bad shoot um, in terms of like the stress and like how how they were shooting it, uh, and probably like he, I mean he was he was on quite a roll with movies, right? So, uh-huh. uh, but I could like four years until like his next movie, and then like I feel like the only reason he's doing the next one is because of Scorsese's directing it, right? Well, um, the next one he's doing is Don't Look Up, which is being directed by Adam McKay, which will be his first oh. collaboration with him. 
Oh wow, that's that's actually crazy. What the hell? Yeah, that's pretty I interesting. I don't I don't know how to feel a about Netflix that. movie. What the hell? Oh yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I actually really Ariana Grande's in it. What the? It's this movie looks weird. This but we'll definitely Chris talk Evans. about it when it comes out. Sorry, yeah, I I just I had no idea this movie was a thing, and this is an insane cast too. Um. Okay. Well, maybe you're right then, because I mean, this is like only two years later. Yeah, and it's a I Netflix honestly think movie, which I'm I really surprised think that. By. I really think that the Revenant was like something special, and like after the mm. Revenant, he needed some time off. Like I think he's gonna get back to. If you look at his filmography before the Revenant, he was in uh, roughly one mo- movie every year. I think he's gonna get back towards that. Okay. Probably. That's that's, that's just fair. what I'm thinking. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I I just think like to to make sure you're like like as he. As he gets older, he probably gets more selective because he doesn't want to break this streak of like each role he takes being amazing, right? Yeah. So I like, and there's there is that pressure of like being on top and like and falling out and becoming like Rick Dalton, I guess. So like, I guess that like even despite him being in a position where he really is on top of Hollywood, um, I could definitely see how he relates to Rick Dalton. Uh, or could relate to Rick Dalton in a lot of ways. And I don't know, maybe, maybe you put a lot of that into the role. Cause I, mm-hmm. I really did like his performance. I think it was very uh, laid back and subdued compared to like a lot of his other performances. I mean, like the Revenant was, it was a great performance, but like it wasn't like nuanced, if that makes sense. Right. Well, it didn't um, have to be. It was almost like, specifically no nuance with rick dalton yeah or or do you mean mean the revenant so the revenant sorry revenant had no nuance because it was just like this guy is getting hurt a lot oh yeah suffering like it's pretty straightforward whereas rick dalton is like uh i'd say a lot more deep of a character and then also but it's like not like he can't just say it right so i like the little things like he has he doesn't have a, a stutter per se but like he does trip over his words once in a while, which I think adds a lot. Um, and he and he he gets a couple scenes to shine, but for the most part, is like his his character is pretty grounded, and the the performance is really straightforward. But um, I don't know. I really liked it. I, I I really felt like the pain he was going through and kind of the the I guess how do I say this like he's 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 kind of clinging on to something that he refuses to let go of right so like that entire day we follow him is uh you can you can really feel how how wants to keep doing this but he just doesn't like and i mean he still has acting in him but he also kind of doesn't and yeah it's i don't know it's interesting to watch i think i want to walk back what i said just a minute ago just a little bit because like Rick Dalton, Rick Dalton's actually a very nuanced performance. When I say like he was like Rick Dalton is a performance where he's, you know, he's able to just kind of his character just says what's on his mind a lot of the time. And he's very like, you know, his character in in a way like he's kind of he's the kind of guy who like thinks he's communicating everything that he is. But like he's also got, like you said, that little stutter. Um, 
he, you know, he's reading a cowboy novel and it, my favorite scene in the movie is where he's reading this cowboy novel and he's describing this cowboy novel, which is just like a stupid thing about a rancher. Um, and he's describing it to this girl that he's working with and he starts crying because he like relates to this cowboy so much. And it's played up as a really funny scene, but also like you totally get who that guy is in that moment and what's going through his head. And then of course there's the scene that everybody likes, which is where he's in the trailer destroying everything. Like, there is a lot going on with this character. I think it's like the same way we described Brad Pitt's character, uh, Cliff Booth as being pretty deep. I think Rick Dalton is similarly deep. It's just that like, you don't necessarily have a mystery in his past that you don't know about. He's just got a lot going on internally that like he doesn't communicate through the script. He communicates through like little ticks and little like, um, just actions when it hap- when it's when it's appropriate. Yeah. Also, like, just how I mean, this sounds mean, but like, I, I guess, like, for the past for the past while, I actually can't really remember the last time, but he usually plays really confident characters, right? Or like, um, like, no, nah, I don't want to say strong because that sounds like, uh, kind of, kind of not demeaning, but. Anyways, I, I wouldn't say, like, he, he's usually playing pretty powerful or charismatic people, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like, looking through, like, the past few years, like, Revenant, he's, like, you know, he's the main guy. He's, he's, a, he's kind of a lead. He's a leader in some ways. Um, getting Revenge, Great Gatsby, he's the Gatsby. Django Unchained, he's, like, the insanely charismatic villain. J. Edgar, he's playing J. Edgar. So, like, but then this, this role, he's just kind of, like, a pathetic for lack of better words, like actor who like doesn't really have much going on for him. Right. Um, who interestingly plays primarily very charismatic roles. Like you can draw as many yeah. parallels to Leo in Rick Dalton <laughs> as you want to. Cause they're, he's playing a version of himself. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cool. Like the, like the, like the glances we get or like the looks of temptation we get when we see, him kind of jealously looking at uh, Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski, who are kind of the new blood in Hollywood. Um, the way he's he's kind of he talks to like the new uh, like that scene with that 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 child actress um, mm-hmm. was really cute. Where he's kind of like he, he's realizing that he's 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 even like not he's not even as good as this kid, if that makes sense, right? Like he realizes. Yeah. She's way more professional than him. She's smarter than him. Um, and he's like, you know, there's a lot. And he, he never says that out loud, right? But you can just feel the way, the way he kind of re- reacts to, to all these events in his life where um, it, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a sad tale, if that makes sense. And it's like, um, even though he's not necessarily like a very likable character, you, you do feel for him. And I think, I definitely think like, uh, Leo helped a lot in terms of getting that across because I don't, um, I don't necessarily think the character was written poorly, but like it, it's not like the the role was gifted to Leo this time um, to put in a great performance. This was something he kind of he kind of had to work for. Yeah, yeah. I guess like on paper, this role didn't have to be Leo, but in practice, it really did. Yeah. For sure. 
I don't know how many like other actors could have like made me this interested in a like in a in a plot line that really isn't technically that interesting mm-hmm. and been done before. But yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, like maybe that kind of speaks to Tarantino too, because like, I think he really got a lot of out, out, out of all the actors in this movie, whether they be, you know, the main three characters or uh, like any of the side characters too. It's, it's, you did a really good job with this movie. Um, yeah. I'm even though I don't love it. Yeah. I don't think that this, ranks anywhere close to my favorite Tarantino movie. But on the other hand, like the more I watch this movie, cause I've now seen it probably three times, maybe four, mm-hmm. like the more often I watch this movie, the more I can appreciate it. Cause he is really Tarantino is really getting the best out of all of these actors. Like this is, this is one of Leo's better performances. It's one of Brad Pitt's all time best performances most of the side characters are giving are at least like giving 110%. You know, sometimes they don't have exactly that much time to shine, but they're still like really notable. Even Kurt Russell who's in it for like I mean, if you if you if you count the times where he's the narrator, he's in it for probably a combined 10 minutes, but like, you know, even he's memorable in it. Yeah. So, like, I, he is really getting a lot out of this movie. I just think it really helped. Like, before I, I thought this movie was pretentious, I still kind of do. It's, it, it actually is pretty pretentious, but also you can tell how much this means to Tarantino. And it, 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 like, every, it feels like every frame um, is like, like, he, he really wants envisioned for the movie. And, like, even though, like, it's not as tight as a, a plot or a script that I would have liked. I mean, like, I can't deny the fact that um, he must he must have enjoyed it uh, a lot. And I guess I appreciate I appreciate that um, that passion yeah. that we get from him. Because yeah, I, like any other direct, like I, most other directors, this couldn't have worked because like I don't think anybody loves Hollywood or like movies as much as Tarantino. Um, hmm. in terms of directors like it's really he he loves movies so much so uh yeah lots of lots of respect to that and um i don't know he's a pretty solid director so now if i'm remembering correctly it has it has been one or two days since our last leo episode but if i am remembering correctly let's uh i i believe we would rate the movie and we would also rate leo's performance this is probably not our last, you know, Leo movie we ever rate, but we got to it's we got to we got to do it somewhere. So what do you think? What do you, how would you rate this on a how would you rate this movie? I'll actually okay, the first time I watched this movie before, um I'd actually give it an 8 this time. Uh it's just it's really enjoyable. I do think it's too long, but I didn't I didn't watch it all at once. I watched like, I had like a 30 minute break uh, about halfway through. So like, I guess it's kind of cheating, but like, uh, I, th- I think it's a, it's a fun script. It's not great, but like, it's a, I don't know, it's a Tarantino movie. And like, despite kind of the, the, I guess the, the, uh, the, the non-narrative, I still enjoyed kind of this aspect of filmmaking and uh it's a it's a fun ride and uh oh i guess for my leo rating i'd give it like probably an eight as well like he doesn't really have much to do 
Um, but I still think it's a great performance. Uh, and I, I kind of wish she had more screen time or more to do, but I mean, like, I, I think it worked either way. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I'd say similar. I think, like, as a movie, I'd give this one a seven. Like, I enjoy it, and I can really appreciate that not only does this seem like a passion project for Tarantino, but on some level, it feels like a passion project for literally everyone involved. So, like, I really like that. You can really tell that everyone's having fun and, like, that this is just a, that this is just a movie that everyone wanted to make. On the other hand, it's over long and it's hard for me to like, it's, it's hard for me to watch just because of how long it is and how little happens. Like I can watch this and I enjoy it, but it is two and a half hours long. And like, you know, I carved out my entire afternoon to watch that today. And like, I don't, I do kind of think that I could have spent that time on something else. So I'm, I'm going to say yeah. a seven because like it is, it is worthwhile. It's a very good movie, but it's it's overlong, and that really hurts this movie. I think at least the watching experience of this movie. That said, I am very excited for when the TV series version of this comes out because, like, I think that'll I think that'll be a lot. I think that'll be a, a riot. Actually, if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, the TV show that Leonardo DiCaprio's character Rick Dalton. Uh, stars in in the movie bounty law uh quentin tarantino is currently working on making that into an actual show he's wow i been, actually uh, had no idea that's that's pretty funny he's been working on a lot of things for a long time like guillermo del toro like a lot of his projects don't ever come to fruition but wikipedia says he's still working on it he announced it like a year and a half ago and the last I heard outside of Wikipedia, he is still working on it. So like this could actually happen. And it would be really cool to see yeah, if hopefully. Leonardo DiCaprio's in that. I hope he is, because if he is, we will talk about it on this show. That would be interesting, yeah. Um, um, yeah. I'm also excited for Tarantino's, I guess, tenth and final movie, technically. I feel like I feel like this was kind of like the the penultimate movie where it's like this is his most personal and kind of like his like maybe the movie he's always kind of wanted to to make or dreamed of making maybe uh i feel like the 10th movie is gonna he's gonna bring everything up like to classic tarantino if that makes sense yeah um, i have no idea what it could be i i yeah, think you're right about that yeah but i also think so, that we're probably four or five years out from the last tarantino movie especially if he's going through with this tv show yeah there's no way he just kind of tosses it out i think i mean who knows like i the way the way Tarantino kind of says he'll commit to a project, like it might not, like he might, he probably will make more movies, but. I really uh, think that what's going to happen with Tarantino's last movie is he is going to approach this next movie as if it is his last. And it probably yeah, yeah. for a while, like the last one that he directs. And then, you know, in 10 years or something, he might come back with Tarantino's triumphant return. I don't know. Yeah. But like, I find it very <laughs> difficult to believe that he's done with movies after the next one. Yeah. But, like, but if, if he is, honestly, like, respect. That'd be, oh, that'd yeah. be really, really awesome. Or not awesome, because I always want more Tarantino, but, like, uh, I think it's usually good to have, like, a certain level of closure uh, in terms of your projects, or else, like, you do get, like, a, a De Niro or maybe Spielberg scenario where the... Well, I think for for Quentin Tarantino, the most uh, 
the best comparison of a person he wants to avoid is um gosh why am i blanking on the name now who's the guy that did apocalypse uh, now oh uh man now i can't remember <laughs> francis ford coppola yeah because if yeah. you look at francis ford coppola's recent filmography it's been a while since he's made something that's like really groundbreaking or even really that good. Yeah, which is unfortunate because I, I feel like if he either got more picky earlier or he stopped earlier, he definitely, I mean, he's still seen as one of the greatest directors to ever, to ever For live. Sure. But I, it's not, I wouldn't say it's the same because of how much he's put since then that has been substandard, I guess, to compared to the rest of his like crazy amazing work. So. Yeah, I think, like, no one is going to take from Francis Ford Coppola that he did make The Godfather and also Apocalypse Now. On the other hand, realistically, maybe he should have stopped with Dracula. Yeah, maybe. Uh, So, yeah, we'll see what happens next with Tarantino. But, yeah, anyways, this was... Apparently, he made made The Rainmaker afterwards, which is... uh, Supposedly very good. So maybe he should have stopped with the Rainmaker. I'm not really sure. But um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Leo rating. I want to say this one. I personally think this is a really, really good performance from Leo. The more often I see it, the more I'm like, Leo definitely deserved his nomination for for best actor for this one. I'm going to say it still doesn't compete to my favorite two performances, which are The Revenant and uh, The Wolf of Wall Street. Like, it's not quite at that level, but I'm going to put it at like an eight because if he had a little more time, I think it would be at that level. Really, the biggest thing holding Leo back in this movie is the presence and incredibleness of Brad Pitt in this movie. That's honestly it. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I will. I I need to watch more Brad Pitt movies either way after watching this for sure. So I guess tune in next time when we start our uh, our series going into the life and times of Brad Pitt. Apparently, ooh, that actually sounds like a good. Okay, I'm, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna commit to anything. <laughs> Straight up, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, I actually agree. But anyway, I think. So I don't know exactly how many Leonardo DiCaprio movies we have left that we haven't covered. I could count it, but I don't want to like prolong this podcast specifically just so that I can count something. Uh, so I think we have a, I think we actually have around 10 left, which would be like the equivalent of two more eras of, of Leo as we, as we have been splitting this up so far, obviously We've gone from the first movie he was in to the last movie he was in. So we're not able to divide it up by eras anymore, but we will get to the rest of those movies. Might not be right away. Might not be next week, uh, but we will do it and we'll do it soon. We're, we're going to finish out this filmography. Yeah. And uh, I guess the next era of, of Leo is kind of the scraps. I don't know. What would you... I guess we'll find out later because we have to like... Yeah, let's, let's not commit to exactly what movie it's going to be yet, but we have some ideas. We've, yes. We're definitely going to talk about Don's Plum and it's going to be within the next five episodes. You can count on that. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, thanks so for So anyway, 
Yeah, thank you all for listening to uh, Losing It Over Leo. This is your epilogue, and now uh, Pierre is going to read the credits. Leonardo DiCaprio as Rick Dalton.